0: Welcome to the relaunch podcast and you know, I pinch myself how I am so lucky to have the people that I get to talk to on the show, highlight them, explore their journeys, explore their relaunches and really understand that there are silver linings to everything. And Today, I am so excited because this guest is near and dear to my heart because there is something we're going to share with you, but her name is S. Dawn Bradford. She is a number one, let me do a drum roll here, number one international bestselling author. She's an international public speaker and life coach sharing a message of hope that healing is possible no matter what we have experienced in our lives. Dawn is an entrepreneur. She is a writing coach. We were just talking before about how she goes up on all these amazing retreats. She's heading to Alaska and has run production for over 15 conferences and retreats. And As I go into my retreat this weekend, I thought, maybe next year. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program, and this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable, and we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the Business Bootcamp, which is a five-day free event. And get involved with this because the pearls that we're going to be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money, and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next bootcamp. You're listening to The Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. I got to say a big warm shout out to my friend Don for being here. Hi Don.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love the opportunity to be able to share my message and just lift other people. So thank you so much.
0: And you really do. And I've heard your journey. I've heard I've heard more than most because the exciting news that we have to share is that we co-wrote we were um, two of the authors in "Step Into Your Brilliant Purpose," and I have to say it's been quite a journey. I had no idea when I first met Dawn how brilliant she was as an author, and I should have been asking her all of her amazing, you know, steps and things that I could have been doing to make my own journey a little easier. But today, <laughs> I want today I want to highlight you, Dawn, and I want to share your you know, how everything came to be for you today. Cause I just, there's so much that I admire about you and your journey. And I'd love to share it with my audience. Well, thank you. So it really
1: started with me being in a wheelchair because before that I just lived my life small and simple with depression and anxiety and didn't go out. And that's really when everything started to change. I was in a wheelchair and I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and they didn't know what was wrong. I had an undiagnosable neuromuscular disorder. And what that taught me was how to fight for what I wanted. Um, Initially I was ready to just give up and go, my kids would be better off if I died. And my body in knowing that things just kind of fell apart and I could feel I could feel this death coming on. Mm. Okay, you—you really that
0: you really jumped in, okay? But I'd like to ask you take a little step back on what happened to cause you to be in a wheelchair.
1: That's a good question. (laughs) It—I had attacks of paralysis. Um, from the time I was 26 and they would come and go, I would have, uh, they would come in bunches. The longest I ever went was a few years. And the only thing I knew was that overdoing it physically caused the attacks to come back. Um, stress seemed to make them
0: worse. Food seemed to make it a little bit worse. Um, what you were saying is these attacks of paralysis, Yes. So you're going along your day and all of a sudden, what would happen? Uh,
1: within sometimes between, within a couple seconds, sometimes up to, I'd have notice of about 10 seconds. I would go from being able to walk around to my legs, not working the, my muscles would just go limp in my legs, up my arms, um, down my head. And if it, if the attack went too far. It would get up in my lungs and I couldn't breathe. How Um, scary.
0: And I I mean, at this point you're going to, how long did these attacks last for?
1: So they would last for about an hour and a half. (sighs) Sometimes they were short, like an hour. Sometimes it'd be almost two hours, but most of them are about an hour and a half. And so I might be walking like one morning I was walking in the kitchen and just went, my legs just crumpled because by the time I realized it was hitting, I couldn't get back somewhere legs crumpled. I'm just laying on the floor in the kitchen. My kids bring me a blanket and a pillow and I could still talk and I would just direct them to get ready for school while I'm just laying there on the kitchen floor for an hour.
0: And your kids were getting used to this. Yes. Yes. It was starting to be a, it was
1: normal for them.
0: (laughs) And then finally it just kept getting worse. And then you ended up realizing I can't have this happen. I could hit my head on the way down. I could have problems with falling. So you ended up Realizing that you had to be in a wheelchair.
1: So as when this bunch of attacks hit, it was different. Uh, I don't know if it was because of my age. I was almost 40. And this time as they hit, I became really weak in between each of the attacks. I was not recovering and they were coming so fast. It would take me a couple of days to recover. Well, now they were happening every day. Um, And then they started happening a couple of times a day to where my legs were just so weak in between that I couldn't, um, I couldn't walk around. So got a wheelchair, did a whole bunch of tests. Now, what and were the
0: doctors saying?
1: The experts after they tested everything told me that, um, it was an undiagnosable neuromuscular disorder. So the signals were not coming from my brain to my muscles and they didn't know why and there was, and he, he said, this is just something that too often, we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know enough He mm. Said your muscles are fine. They're just not getting the signals and you're going to be in and out of a wheelchair for the rest of your life.
0: Oh, so they're sitting here telling you, we don't know why. And yes. this is your fate. This is what yes. you've got. Pretty much you've got these kids and you're going to be in a wheelchair.
1: Yes. And this was an expert. He had come from New York. This was his wheelhouse. He knew what he was talking about. And that's, that's really when I gave up and was like, I, my kids would be better off if I wasn't here. And it was, that was so strong within me that I really did start dying. Almost like I lost my will to live. Um, and I kept arguing with my husband because he was convinced I wasn't going to die. He's like, it's not your time to die. You're not going to die. And I kept saying, I can feel it. I know what this feels like. And
0: mm, so then what got happened to with all it. this?
1: So we went to see a holy man who I thought was going to tell my husband what was happening and help him accept the truth. And instead, he helped me understand that it was not my time to die. He was like, it is not your time to die. Um, I bet your husband
0: was smiling. Like that's what I told her.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I was angry. And that's when I realized that I did not have the will to live, but if I had to live, I was not going to do it from a wheelchair. And I made that decision right there. I found an alternative care doctor and I did what, you know, I explored anything and everything in order to get myself out of that wheelchair Because the alternative care doctor said, I cannot stop the attacks of paralysis, but I can get you out of the wheelchair. I can get you walking again. And over time, what
0: what did he recommend?
1: We did all kinds of stuff. I took nasty green drinks. um, I take those every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've been doing them since my, since my 50th birthday. I think I've missed like a couple of days, man, they are nasty.
1: Yes, but it worked. We did acupressure. We did muscle reactivation, um, all kinds of stuff. And we went really, really slow. I worked on NAET allergy treatments, you know, just all these things to build up the strength of my body. And it took a long time. Um, it took about a year to really start feeling better. And then the paralysis was healed. Um, and that was through the grace of God. And I woke up, I felt the difference. I hadn't felt that way for 25 years. I woke up and everything within me felt alive for the first time.
0: So even though the holy man had said, Hey, I can, I can get you out of the wheelchair. I can't stop the paralysis. Didn't he say the, that?
1: The alternative care doctor said that.
0: Okay. Okay. The can't... holy man
1: said that eventually I would be healed. That it wasn't my Ah. time to die and that I would be healed. God would heal me eventually. So, when you took a lot longer than I wanted,
0: of course, (laughs) doesn't it always? But when (laughs) you were in the wheelchair, how old were your kids?
1: My youngest was four. (laughs) Yes, and special needs. And my oldest was in high school. I'm thinking about 17 at the time. So, he would drive me places. Um, my youngest, I got sick enough that my two youngest, I couldn't take care of them and they went to live with family. So my four-year-old went to live with my mother and my, um, nine-year-old went, no, maybe she was eight at the time, went to live with my brother for six months.
0: Oh my gosh. So you are now in that moment where you have been, you know, confined to a wheelchair. You've got your four-year-old going off to live with your mom, you've got, you know, now you're splitting your kids. Right. Yes. And that I I know from growing up with my parents divorced and there was a point where my brother went and lived with my dad and I was with my mom and it was just like, it was devastating, you know, that I wasn't with my brother. And so I can imagine as a mom having to make that decision and, and you going into this, you know, state of depression to the point of like, you know, is it even worth me being here? I mean, it's awful. That is just, I mean, just terrible. So you ended up following the guidance of the holy man. You ended up doing all of these, you know, the, between the green drinks and the acupressure, I think you mentioned acupressure acupressure, yeah, and a bunch of the other, um, it, it took a year, but what started, and then you said all of a sudden you were, you, you woke up one day and you felt like you were back to normal. I mean, physically. What, yes. What was yes. that like? You're like, wow, well,
1: I'm back. It felt like my body could breathe again. Um, there was, there was another moment during my mental healing journey where I had a similar thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but this physical it was an immediate noticeable difference, but it was like, almost like there was every, all my cells could breathe. My body could function. And I knew immediately, and I have never had another paralytic attack since. And that was in November of 2014. That so that's been eight years. Eight not a years. Single attack.
0: And you're completely out of the wheelchair.
1: Yes. And um, I hike all the time. I take my dog. And we do four or five miles of hikes without even thinking about
0: it. And so did the holy man finally tell you what was going on with you?
1: No, no. He had just given me this, this blessing. And, you know, afterwards he's like, there's gotta be a doctor that can help you. You know, even if the problem is in every cell of your body, there's gotta be a doctor that can help you. And that's when I turned to alternative medicine.
0: Um, hmm. And I know that there was a big shift in how you were thinking, right? Cause you go yes. from this despondent suicidal kids are going, you know, off to all these different places. How, how did you, what, what snapped inside of you or what happened inside of you that all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I am going to fight for myself.
1: You know <laughs> It was honestly the thought of having to lay in bed, being useless for the rest of my life. And it was the belief in this man. If I hadn't believed what he said, because I'd had other people say things and there was something about going to this holy man and I believed what he said. And that's really what it came. I just, I allowed myself to believe that. And I thought if there's a possibility I am not going to spend the rest of my life laying in bed like an invalid and watching life pass me by. I had spent 20 years willingly doing that. Now I didn't have the choice anymore to just sit at home and do nothing. I I had to, I spent at least 23 hours of every day in bed because Hmm. even the wheelchair took energy to sit up and I, this, I, had I waited just, I, for my life to start until now I felt like it was too late. And I'm like, if he's telling me I still have a chance, I got to fight for that because I have to know what it's like to live.
0: It is so important to understand that when you can believe in something, someone that, you know, they say, believe it to see it and you believed in this man and you could have continued to believe what that doctor had said, which, you know, it's undiagnosed. We don't know why you're going to be in the wheelchair the rest of your life. We don't know when you're going to have these episodes again, but that wasn't going to be who you were going to put all of your, all of your beliefs into. You decided to switch it up and say, you know what? I want to believe the holy man. I want to, I want to walk again.
1: Yeah. Oh, And it's that belief is extremely powerful and our brains are incredibly powerful. You know, when looking back, when I realized that my brain had the power essentially to give up the will to live, but then it also had the power to heal and I needed help. I mean, I had, I combined the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine, anything I could grasp at, I was willing to do any of those things. I needed help. But the one thing that I had to do was have that belief and that vision that things could be different.
0: You know and what? it doesn't
1: matter if it's physical or if it's mental, it's the exact same thing.
0: You need help. You said, you said something so important that I just want to emphasize that you said, I had the power to give up the will to live and I had the power to heal.
1: Exactly. It
0: was you who was deciding on what was going to take place in your life. And I want people to realize that it is your choice. You choose what thoughts that create the emotions that when repeated over time, create your beliefs. So, so how long did you, and, and actually I'd love to know what, how you started down the path of This power to heal? What were the thoughts that you were starting to put out there? How did you do that? How did you, you know, how did you start this journey yourself with your own thoughts?
1: You know, I've spent a lot of time analyzing my mental healing journey. I haven't spent as much time analyzing my physical healing journey because for me, that was just kind of the precursor to teach me what I needed to do to do the real work which was healing my mind.
0: Um, And I do think it's all part of healing your mind starts with the thoughts that you're putting into your mind. Yeah. And there's, there's a part of me all
1: along as a child that often if there was something I wanted to do, I just did it. I didn't stop to think, oh, is this too hard? Like it was trained out of me over time as people kept telling me things were too hard or you shouldn't be able to just go out and do that. But as a child, I was that way. If I wanted to paint, I mean, I just went and got some of my mom's old paint and a piece of paper and started painting. Um, And for me, it it was deciding what I want. The hard part is deciding what I want. And deciding what I believe is possible. And once I know it's possible, then nothing's going to stop me. I will just go and do it.
0: Oh, I call that the powerhouse of possibility. Yeah. It's taking it and saying, I'm owning this. I am owning where I'm going. So that is, that's so incredibly powerful. And now that it, as you said, it's been, you know, what, eight years since Uh You got up and walked out of that wheelchair. You are hiking, which I love. Tell us about how your journey has continued down this path. Cause you did start to were you writing before or did this come after?
1: I had been writing before this. Um, the, and I've written several books The first book I wrote was before I broke through amnesia, hiding severe childhood abuse, Mm. which is actually the root, the true cause of the chronic health issues and being in the wheelchair. And the first book I completed it, I took it to an agent and she said, but I don't understand why. Well, why did you marry this guy when you're walking down the aisle and, and know that you're making the biggest mistake of your life? Why would you go through with it? And I couldn't answer that question. So I went back to my childhood and that's when I broke through amnesia and the amnesia was hiding severe childhood abuse, um, sex trafficking, torture, the whole thing. And those things had affected, it affected my brain so much that it, that also affected my body.
0: And I want you to, I want to just emphasize this again, in talking to as many um, people that have had such significant trauma, you ended up, as you said, you know, putting up the amnesia because it was too painful for you to remember the trafficking. How were you able to break through? Did you go to therapy? Was this part of the process? Did you realize it on your own?
1: I had been in therapy for about five years um, at this point, and she had taught me some things to try to help me, you know, deal with some of those things. So I did something called non-dominant handwork, Mm -hmm. and that's where you draw or write with your non-dominant hand as a way to access and bypass some of these blocks that we put in our own ways and kind of communicate with that inner child. And I knew that there was something going on and I needed to draw it out. I had kind of done a few things and I was like, something's there, something's wrong. And I went in my room and I started drawing. And even as I was drawing, I tried not to draw what I was drawing. I actively tried not to do it because I started seeing what was coming out. I ended up with pages and that's how I discovered that I had been molested as a child. And that's what it started with. As you break through amnesia, you start with the easier things you can handle, and then it, it slowly memories come up over the course of years. You don't suddenly remember everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So I um, have been on a board of, uh, for human trafficking, and you mentioned that you know this was all part of it. What ages did this occur in your life?
1: It started right after I turned 10. Um, the majority of it happened between 10 and 11, which is when my parents moved. Um, and then after that, the abuse continued with another group, but the actual trafficking was while I was 10 years
0: old. So I, I think it's super important for people to when you they say trafficking, we think because you and I are so familiar with this, we understand what it is, but can you explain what trafficking was like for you? Um, and there were, there were more than one aspect
1: of it. Uh, the sex trafficking was difficult, uh, but that wasn't the most difficult aspect of it. The most difficult aspect was the lies that came along with it, that uh, my family was very poor and that they had, they said that they had my dad's permission, which was absolutely not true. And this was a way to get more money to help us survive. Um, And the other aspect was some of the people that participated in the sex, in in the, the, uh, the paid to have sex with me because they were, some of them were people that I knew from my neighborhood. Mm. Um, and those aspects were a lot harder than, you know, what we really think of as the difficulty of being sex trafficked of having to go through those things. It was the mental pieces that were a lot harder for me to cope with. Mm
0: -hmm. And how long, I mean, like you said you, it was, you were doing this for a year. Is that right?
1: So the sex trafficking was often on. The, the process of bringing me into the cult um, was a year. So they used various methods in order to slowly gain control of my mind and my body so that I would do whatever they wanted. Um, and that's where the torture comes in because torture changes the framework of your mind. It fractures, Um, they purposely were trying to create other, um, alters or parts. So it was that process that created the dissociative identity disorder that I struggle with, um, which was formerly known as multiple personality disorder for those that aren't familiar with it. There are things that they do in order to purposely fracture your brain. Mm -hmm. Then they had certain alters that they could call forward that were obedient. so they could do whatever they wanted. And that process of slowly getting me ready. And then they started pulling me into the rituals in order to have me actually join the cult. Um, And they had a plan for me to be kidnapped and my parents to think that I was dead. And so they were the final stages of them pulling me into the cult were happening when my father came home and was just like, we're moving. And we were gone in two weeks and it interrupted their plans. And that's really what saved my life.
0: So did your, did your, your dad got wind of this? He didn't know about any of it until the very end. And then he was like, we're out of here. He didn't know. Even then he just, my dad was messed up with my daughter.
1: My parents were, were really struggling in their lives. The abusers look for kids who's parents are distracted by problems who are struggling financially, you know, all of these, they look for really vulnerable kids. That's one of the first things that they want. And they found that in my house. And so my parents, they weren't aware that any, you know, they were dropping me off at a play date once or twice a week for hours at a time. And they didn't know what was going on. I had been given some drugs. They, the specific drugs they use take effect very quickly in the way they administer them aware off within, you know, about an hour and a half, same amount of time that my paralysis would last and a similar effect. (laughs) So one of the theories is that the paralysis were actually body memories of what had happened to me as a child.
0: Hmm. How did you end up? So your dad took you away from this and was it at that point that you put up the walls, you closed those doors and the amnesia set in?
1: I had the amnesia even during it. So because they had caused the splitting of my personality, the part of my personality that was being abused would stay there. So in, in my brain would kind of go quiet and the child who would go to school and interact with my family would come up. And I couldn't remember what had happened the night before. So even in the space of just a drive home, I would have forgotten everything that happened because I had split. It's that other altar coming up in my head and you don't remember what's happened.
0: So how old were you when you were doing the non-dominant hand notes, drawings? I was 40. Oh my gosh. And then it just, it just flooded out of you.
1: Yes. Then the memories started bubbling up and things that came up, it just progressively got worse and worse, the memories. And every time I would think this has got to be the worst because I cannot imagine anything being any worse than what I've remembered. Um, But it, what happened to me exceeds anyone's imagination that has not been there. There's a lot of things that I have never talked about. Because they're so horrific, you cannot imagine anyone ever doing that to a child. And there was no way I could ever even imagine what had actually happened
0: to me. So, this all comes out, and you, I'm sure, are still working with these things that you haven't even been able to share because you've so openly talked about your journey, but there's still things that even you find are so horrific. Yes. So, where do you go from here? I
1: did the same thing that I did with the physical journey. I was willing to do whatever it took and accept whatever help I could find. So, you know, I tried various things with energy work and releasing memories. I tried. Um, I worked with my therapist. I went to group. I did EMDR. EMDR was very, very traumatizing. It was helpful, but it was extremely traumatic to go through it.
0: For those that don't know, EMDR is the light therapy and, and what you do is you look into a light and it goes back and forth, right?
1: And essentially it feels like you're sitting in a theater watching what happened to you all over again. And you're trying to hold in your, your brain that you're safe and that everything's okay, but it really feels like watching, you know, reliving and watching what happened, happen all over again.
0: Oh oh my God.
1: So I found a new trauma because I, as I would work with a therapist, eventually I would grow beyond what they could help me with. Mm -hmm. And I went to a trauma therapist and that was the most amazing thing. Um, to work with her. And we did a treatment called um, integrative processing technique. And it is a way to heal trauma uh, because talk therapy does not heal trauma. It does help with a lot of other things and helps you get to the point and handle a lot of other things, but it won't actually heal the trauma. Uh, IPT does.
0: And tell us about IPT.
1: It's something where you take those pain and those memories And you give them a shape and a color and the colors have meaning and the shapes. And, And it's, it's a way of visualizing how to pull that pain out because we don't know how to get rid of the pain. So if we can visualize it, give it a shape and a color and then pull it out of our space and look at it. And then we destroy that. It can be throwing it into an incinerator or, or sending it to the sun to be burned up, or you can give it to God it, it doesn't matter what your belief system is. You work with that, um, and you get these things out of your space, and then you receive gifts back, which is the key. Because every time we try to get rid of things, it leaves this emptiness inside of us, okay. and because that's so uncomfortable, we pull the pain back in to fill that that space. In this modality, you're bringing light and gifts and things in to take the place of that. Um, and obviously, there's more to it than than all of that, but that's the main thing. And using the power of your brain to pull these things out to deal with them, to reframe who you are, we would pull out those things like "I'm worthless," "It was my fault," and then we would put in that opposite of, you know, of what what I wanted—connection and love and value—you know, all of those things as well. Done so very I'm... very powerful.
0: It is so powerful. IPT and your journey and what you've been through is something that you would never want anyone to ever go through and have to, you know, internalize. And, and as you said, it it actually caused the, the root of, of your sickness of why you were in the wheelchair. And mm-hmm. so today and we could, I mean, there's so many more levels of this and I feel like I'm racing through it. And I I know that you've, you've got books about it and you've written so many wonderful things, including the chapter in, um, step into your brilliant purpose, but what are you, what are you doing these days? How are you helping others? And the, you know, what, what, what is life like for you now?
1: The amazing thing is that through this process, I've become very, very connected with myself and connected with others and people cross my path all the time. I'm just open and aware. And when they come across my path, then I will help them. There's something almost magnetic. People that are suffering will come to me, like even at a conference and they don't know what I've been through. They'll come up and start talking to me. And I'll find out that they've been abused and I can give them that little bit of hope, that little bit of truth that will help them in their next step. And I really live for that. And um, when I have the opportunity, I mentor or life coach people who've been abused um, because they need to understand that I know where they're coming from. And they need to understand that they actually can heal. A lot of people will say, you never heal from something like that. And I refused to accept that. Mm -hmm. And so my message, whether I'm doing public speaking, whether I'm coaching someone individually, whether I'm writing is that healing is possible, no matter what, if you believe it's possible, you can heal from anything. And that healing can look different for different people. And it does, it's hard work but it is possible and it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. My life is incredible.
0: Well, and uh, you do, you have um, such an incredible energy about you. I noticed that the first time when we all got together and you, you light up, you have a happiness, a, a glow about you. That is, it's incredible, but you haven't let your past define you. Yeah my life well,
1: was put together by these abusers. And I decided that wasn't going to be me. And I had the opportunity to choose whoever I wanted to be. And so I decided who I wanted to be and worked towards it.
0: Don, you're remarkable. I mean, honestly, and I, I'm sure people <laughs> are you. just, you know, their chins are down at the floor right now, like the journey you've been on, but you have such, um, inspiration and hope for all of us that, you really can get through even the, the worst of circumstances. And you've now taken in, you're helping all these people. It's incredible. So I want to thank you for being here. And I know that we talked earlier and I always like to, to end with asking, you know, if you were to recommend something out into the world right now, what would, what would that be? a
1: product or a message.
0: Ooh, I I'm going to give you an open stage to either.
1: Well, then I'm going to choose the message because the one thing that everyone needs to know is that there is hope and there is healing. It does not matter what is going on in the world. You have the power to change your own world and that will change the lives of the people around you and will really shift what's going on in the world right now.
0: Mm. What a great way to end this. And so how can people find you and reach out to you?
1: My email is donbradford at gmail.com. My website is S is in Sandy, dawnbradford.com. You can reach me there. You can get me on Facebook. All my handles are S Don Bradford um, on my platforms, but I'm on Facebook the most and email and my website.
0: Don, thank you for being here. Thank you for being so vulnerable and allowing people to hear your story, your message. And I highly encourage everybody to reach out. If there's something that's kind of going on with you, you're not really sure she's got such a great, unique approach for helping people through even the most traumatic, um, background. So John, thank you again for being here and you are truly an incredible person. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com relaunchco.com podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.